Welcome, welcome, welcome. I would like to welcome you to episode 385 of the Unpopular Podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Jalen Hunter. And here at the Unpopular Podcast, not only ask to agree with me, I'm asking you to hear me out. The best kept secret in sports is any league, any team, any organization is not the most powerful thing. And what do I mean by that? People pay hard-earned money to see games, to go to games. They don't go to the game to see the team. They don't go to the game to see the owner. They don't go to the game to see the organization. They go to the game to see their favorite player or players. Players drive sports. Social media is at an all-time high, and this is a players-driven world as far as sports. When you look in the NBA, you have LeBron James, Steph Curry, you know, the, the, the faces of the league. In the NFL, they're a little slower to it, but you still have Patrick Mahomes. You have Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson. Players run the league. I'm not saying that you let players do whatever they want, but players run the league. So when you hear that Shohei Otani gets the largest contract in North American sports history at $700 million for 10 years, the initial thought is, God damn, $700 million is crazy. Like $700 million is astronomical but you know what you don't think you know what no one has ever thought yeah i don't think he's worth that much now you can say nobody in the world is worth 700 million dollars that's that's obviously your 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 point of view and nothing wrong with that but not one person said shohei otani mind you think about this Shohei Otani is still young, yet on the Angels, he hasn't won anything except maybe like an MVP. But no one is saying Shohei Otani does not deserve this $700 million. from the Dodgers. Let me from the Dodgers. This is the age of innovation. This is the age of newness, you know. There's always going every contract is a record-setting contract. And while no, I don't think that someone in the NFL is ever going to get 700 700 million, someone in the NBA probably isn't going to get 700 million. But when you look, almost every single contract you see is groundbreaking at this point. At this point. There's always a a uh, market setter. And while I don't think $700 million is a market setter, big money is getting thrown around like that. Look at Russell Wilson's contract. Look at Nikola Jokic's contract. Look at um, Patrick Mahomes' contract. While, yes, they don't amount to $700 million, they deserve the money that they're getting, minus maybe Russell Wilson, but... The, the, the story isn't just 
Shohei Otani leaving the Angels to go to the Dodgers for seven hundred million, but Shohei Otani is deferring six hundred and eighty million dollars in the contract. What that means is that he will be paid a total of six six hundred and eighty million dollars between two thousand and thirty four and two thousand and forty three. His first few years of the contract, he's only going to be making $2 million because he wants to be able to allow the organization, the Dodgers, to build a team around him in order to win. Which, let me tell you something. I'm not 100% sure if this is the first time this has happened. Actually, I'm almost certain this is not the first time this has happened. But I do think that this is the first time that this has happened with a star. Usually when you hear about a team deferring a contract... It's about a player that is retired, but they like they gave him a 10 year contract and he retired after like two years and they have to stretch the money out. So it doesn't really affect their books as much as it could. So you see people getting paid years upon years after they played, which it, it helps financially the organization and you still get the money that you, or the yeah the money that you agreed to get. But I don't know <laughs> the contract. I mean, the conversation around this is should this be banned? You're hearing the words competitive advantage uh, a, a competitive advantage that other teams don't have. We've known this for the longest that there are markets that make more money than others. And that's in every sport. The the Lakers make much make a lot more money than the Washington Wizards. That's just that's just how it is. But I don't <laughs> this is this is unprecedented, man. Seeing somebody this big, Pauls, this this popular deferring their contract. I don't know how the, the, the Dodgers did it. I don't know how they're able to do it, but I, to me, if you look up four, five, six years from now, and maybe even if you look up at ten years from now. And Shohei Otani doesn't have a World Series or has won World Series with the Dodgers. It has been a colossal failure. Seeing as the money that he's deferred, uh, seeing the fact that you, right now you still have Freddie Freeman, still have Mookie Betts on the team. Clayton Kershaw is pretty much at the end of his reign, but he's still on the team. And now you have undoubtedly the best player in baseball. And when it's all said and done, could go down as one of, if not the greatest baseball player of all time. That's how good Shohei Otani is. And you know that's how good he is because they just don't give out $700 million contracts to anybody. You, Someone is looking at Shohei Otani and saying that the value that you're going to bring to this team whether that's fan uh, fanfare, whether that's popularity, whether that's championships, whether that's World Series, the the you're going to be worth seven hundred million dollars, and to defer a contract like this is crazy. It's it's I don't really have the words to completely convey what's going on but that's genius 
I don't I don't know how that's able to happen, but it is, and it's it's genius, you know. And now pretty much the ball is in the Dodgers court to make a team or to build a team, a good team around Shohei Otani, right? And and honestly, right now they might have it. Cause again, you have superstars on your team in bait uh Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman, former MVPs, World Series champions. Man. Shouts out to Shohei Otani, man, for for having not only receiving this historic deal, but making it even more historic, like another level above with deferring it until, what, 2043. Now, and what's also fascinating about this is he's still, the contract is still worth 10, 10 years. So what I'm saying is in 10 years, like the, the, the it's going to be backloaded. The first, like I said, the first few years, he's only making like $2 million a year. Then it gets bumped up to like $68 million. Like, that's crazy. And before we, we move on, I have to talk about the Angels. I don't want to kick the Angels back in as much as a lot of people have been doing. But I can't lie and say that it's not warranted if their back does, in fact, get kicked in. You see, there have been several big names that have come across or that has worn an Angels jersey. And what and and we don't have to go through the long lineage, but the two names that I want to focus on is Shohei Otani and Mike Trout. You see, these ain't these aren't just two pretty good players. And I understand that baseball isn't like basketball. Basketball, you can have a generational player, and usually that player, not saying just him. But that player can get you as close to an NBA championship as possible. You might be able to get, if, if you just have that player and a lot of good role players, you might be able to get to the NBA finals. You might be able to get to the conference finals. What it is, is you're going to be viable because you have that player. Baseball is not like that. You have the whole team. You have the dugout. You, you need a lot to be successful. In baseball. But one thing that you need for sure is a star player. If you look at every single World Series, they've had at least one star player. Or let me say this World Series winner. They've had a star player, whether that's Craig Seeger, whether like you need a star player. Now, again, you don't just need a star player, but you do need that. The Los Angeles Angels is a prime example of how not to handle star players. And what's even worse about this is they didn't just have one crack at it. They had multiple cracks. You have two 
generational talents in Mook in Shohei Otani and Mike Trout. And not only have they not competed for a World Series, they haven't even been to the playoffs with those two. Now I'm I'm one. I'm very open in saying that I don't give at the end of the day, the players play, you know, football players. I don't give the, sometimes you can tell when it's coaching. Sometimes you can't, you know, and I don't like to bash a coach that doesn't deserve to be bashed. I don't like to bash an organization that doesn't like to be bashed, but I'm not. And I'm not even saying that you had to win a World Series. But what I'm saying is. At least when you have two generational talents, two at the same time. And I understand. Because a lot of people are going to say, because I'm probably going to cut this up into a reel. A lot of people are probably going to say, well, Mike Trout was hurt a lot of the time. I get that. You also had Albert Pujols. You also had uh, Hamilton. Now we know what happened with him. But, you know, you've had players. And to not even make the playoffs with a player that we have said is arguably the greatest or could go down as arguably the greatest baseball player of all time in Shohei Otani. And then you have somebody that could arguably go down as the greatest baseball player of all time in Mike Trout. And you don't even make the playoffs with both of them. Not only that, you get nothing for Shohei Otani. Shohei Otani leaves for free agency. When you talk about catastrophic blunders for organization, there's a lot that come to mind. Like the Hornets drafting Kobe and trading Kobe. Kobe Bryant catastrophic or the Houston Rockets having James Harden and Chris Paul and James Harden and Dwight Howard and not even making it to an NBA Finals. Now I understand the Golden State Warriors were there but or Let's 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 go over to football. Or what's the catastrophe? Oh, when um, I forgot who the coach or when they dismantled the Eagles. They dismantled the Deshaun, the Michael Vick, Deshaun Jackson Eagles. Lashawn McCoy, catastrophic. Now, ultimately, they came back and won a Super Bowl, but. What I'm saying is this could be a historic, catastrophic move that could completely, I'm not going to say end an organization, but the Los Angeles Angels were already teetering on relevancy with Shohei Otani and Mike Trout. Now one of them is gone, and more than likely the other one will be leaving soon. 
and you have nothing to show for it. And I would be shocked if we look up a few years from now and the Dodgers do not have a World Series. And that's even with the Astros. That's even with the Braves. That's even with, you know, uh, the the good teams that they have. I'd be shocked. If the Dodgers and Shohei Otani don't compete for a World Series. And the last thing I'm going to say is you know what makes this trade or this acquisition different than the Juan Soto trade? So Juan Soto was traded to the Yankees. It was like a seven-player deal. And Juan Soto is widely considered one of the best young talents in baseball. And I look, I'm looking solely at the organization. When you have an organization like the Yankees, and their organization is known for relevancy, their organization is known for box office. You know, you've had Derek Jeter, you've had uh, Manny Rivera, like you've had those type of players. It's. What they what 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 some organizations do? Let me say it like this: What some organizations do is they try to hit big splashes, and they hope that that splash will bring them back to where they used to be. For lack of a better term, it's kind of like what the Clippers did with James Harden. They hope that James Harden is going to revamp their championship hope. And I'm and I'm here to say that with Shohei Otani and the deal that he got and how he structured his contract is much more impactful, seeing as though he's better than Juan Soto. That's also one. But it's more impactful because to me, Shohei Otani is at that point of his career where he can make an immediate difference. And, again, how he deferred his contract, you can now build a team around him. And, again, you also have Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts. Shohei Otani, what has been, what has been, let's, let's, how do I say this? What has been the Yankees' biggest problem? It hasn't been hitting because you had Aaron Judge. Even though he never really plays, you have Giancarlo Stanton. It's been their inconsistency at pitching and their inconsistency with the bullpen. Well, let me ask you, does Juan Soto change that? No. This has been a crazy few days, few weeks in baseball, man. Baseball is going to look extremely different come next season. And honestly, it's really only because Shohei Otani. Shohei Otani, even though Juan Soto trade happened before Otani's, 
this is kind of like the uh, the domino. And when I say domino, now we're going to see what's going to happen with uh, Mike Trout. We're going to see what happens with other free agents that could be game changers for teams that are just on the cusp. But the big, the head honcho, the the big joker, he's he's been moved, and that is Shohei Otani to the Dodgers. Shouts out to him, and shouts out to the Dodgers. We have to be honest, and I said this multiple times, man. We have to be honest about what we're seeing. What we're seeing sometimes isn't illusion. A lot of times, most of the time, isn't illusion. It's literally what we're seeing. The statement that... How do I how do I approach this? So we're going to move on to football. And the statement is the Cowboys haven't beat anybody. The Cowboys have not beaten a team over 500. Until Sunday where the Cowboys beat the Eagles 33 to 13. Now, we're going to talk about the Eagles in a second. And as much as it pains me to say, I think that currently there is not a quarterback in this league that has been playing better. I'm not saying that it is better. That has been playing better than Dak Prescott this entire season. What what was our uh, criticisms of Dak Prescott? Well, he didn't perform in big games he I think was either first or second last year in turnovers and when you the Cowboys were famous for beating up on lesser opponents but when they got to teams that they could see down the road in the playoffs they would they would squander them and lose the games well all the criticisms that we've seen that we have or I'll say this, all the criticisms that Dak Prescott has earned, he has corrected in a major way this year. He has one of the best touchdown to interception ratios. He's one of the highest QBRs, has one of the highest pass per game or yards per game totals. And as we currently sit, the Cowboys are 10 and 3. It's very hard right now for me. Damn, man, this is really tough to say as as a Washington fan. But it's tough for me to see a weakness with this Cowboys team. Yeah, I, I may may like the, the Tony Paul in the running game to be a little more efficient. But even with losing Trayvon Diggs, there is not much of a hole anywhere on this team. Now, I'm not going to go as far as to say that they're the best team in the NFC. But what I will say is 
They have earned their 10-3 and record. And in my opinion, Dak Prescott has earned the right to call himself the MVP frontrunner. Because everything, that's, 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 that doesn't get acknowledged a lot, the improvement. It does for some players, but a lot of players, the improvement doesn't get acknowledged as much as you hope it would. And we killed, rightfully so, we killed Dak Prescott last year for the imperfections that ultimately cost their team in big moments. Well, this year, he he has cleaned them up expeditiously (laughs) to the point where it's it's very hard to see a weakness with this Cowboys team. Very hard. And I will go as far as to say that they are the second best team in the NFC right now. That's how good the Cowboys have been playing, and that's how good Dak Prescott has been playing. You finally have CeeDee Lamb looking like the caliber of wide receiver that he is. Brandon Cooks is is there in big moments. Michael Gallup is still there. Tony Pollard, again, you would like for him to be a little more effective, but he's been good. And Mike McCarthy. We kill Mike McCarthy for his clock management at times. We kill Mike McCarthy for some of the decisions that he makes in clutch situations. Well, quiet as it's kept, Mike McCarthy has been one of the best coaches in football this year. One thing I will say is all the criticism from everywhere that the Cowboys received last year, they have improved on. Michael Parsons is one of the best defensive players. uh, Demarcus Lawrence has been great. Deron Bland has been one of the best secondary or or corners in the league. I think he has the most pick sixes at six, I think. There is not a position for the Cowboys that has not improved from last year. And as we sit here today, I think that Dak Prescott should be the front runner for the MVP right now. Even though, again, it sucks for me to say it, but what has Dak Prescott name name another player or name another quarterback because we're we're going to talk about a player in a second. Name another quarterback that has been as consistent this entire year as Dak Prescott been. You can't say Brock Purdy because Brock Purdy, we've seen what Brock Purdy looks like without his, you know, without Debo Samuels and without uh, Trent Williams. Unfortunately, you can't. I, I think Lamar Jackson has been great, but Lamar Jackson doesn't have nearly the amount of touchdowns that Dak Prescott has. And I think that the, the Ravens as a team is better than the Cowboys as a team, but Dak Prescott has been playing better than Lamar Jackson. Can't say Patrick Mahomes. We're going to talk about him in a second. This is me just giving kudos, even though it sucks and my body's kind of hurting right now, seeing as though where my fandom lies. But this is me giving kudos to, to a team, to an organization, to a player that deserves it. Shouts out to the Cowboys. And for the Eagles... This is the case. This is a case where their record 
isn't indicative of how they've been playing. People have come to me and ask. I put out a video a couple episodes ago saying the Eagles might be the best team in the NFC, and I wasn't ready to say that yet. And I wasn't ready to say that, not just because they had, at the time, they didn't play the 49ers and they didn't play the Cowboys. I didn't say that because, while, yes, their record was good, their record was great at the time, and their record still is good, don't get me wrong, but when we talk about championship teams, there are things that a championship team needs. And a lot of those things... The Eagles struggle with whether that's their offensive line has not has not been nearly as good as it was last year. Their Jalen Hurts has not been good as he was last year. Jalen Hurts is is near the top of the league in interceptions and fumbles this year. The defense has been awful. The secondary and that's even with big play Shea. And honestly, they have been getting gashed in the running game as well. And that's with Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis. I'm not saying that the Eagles are terrible. But what I'm saying is, and one of the biggest things that I've questioned is, while yes, their record is who their record is, it doesn't tell the whole story. I needed to see what they looked like against a top tier team i know they played the the bills and beat the bills but there's levels to it and right now the bills are not on the same level as the 49ers are not on the same level as the cowboys the eagles have been got destroyed got dismembered by the 49ers and pretty much the same thing happened with the cowboys you see, I said this. I said that you are the, you are the habits that you build in the regular season. The habits that you build in the regular season is very hard to change them mid-season because you're building up to them. And the habits that the Eagles have built this year are not championship habits. Again, every dominant position that they that we saw them have last year has considerably went down this year again when you have players like Jason Kelsey who is a future hall of famer who is one of their most important players when you have him contemplating retirement Lane Johnson is is up there in age it's just I'm not saying that this Eagles team can't win a Super Bowl. I'm not saying that this Eagles team can't make it to a Super Bowl. I'm not saying that this Eagles team is trash. But what I am saying is the same Eagles team that we've seen struggle week after week in the first half, the same Eagles team that we've seen struggle and Jalen Hurts has to put them on them on his back at times. That's the same Eagles team that played the 49ers and got destroyed and the played the Cowboys that got and got destroyed. And like Shannon Sharp says, you don't limp, you don't limp into the season and and then walk out. You don't get 
your health doesn't improve through the season. So as I sit here today and and I'm piggybacking off a video off an episode that I did a couple a couple weeks ago. The reason why I can't crown the Eagles as one of the best or as the best team or best two teams in the NFC is because they don't build winning. They haven't built this season. They haven't built winning habits consistently. And that can get away. You can get away with that playing the commanders. You can get away with that playing the Bills at times. You can get away with that playing lesser the Vikings. You can't do that when you're playing against talent that's looking dead in your face. Talent-wise, competitive-wise, you, you can't do that. And the two times that they've done that this year, three times, they've won one, and that was the Chiefs, but we'll talk about the Chiefs in a second. And they lost to the 49ers badly and the Cowboys. So unless something changes, which I don't know if it can, it's very hard for me to, to, to see the Eagles improve this year. Let's move forward. So I don't need to discuss the Kandarius Tony being offsides. We all saw it. It's clear as day. I will say that it did negate one of the greatest plays we've ever seen on a football field and one of the greatest imp- imprompted plays we've ever seen. I don't need to talk about how well, first, let me say the Buffalo Bills beat the Kansas City Chiefs 20-17. to 17. What I will talk about is what's really happening with Patrick Mahomes and this Kansas City Chiefs team. Patrick Mahomes has come out and was very voicetative uh, or monstrous, let's say that against the refs because they called Kandarius Tony being offside, which ultimately negated the play, which negated a touchdown and it lost them the game. Even though after that play, you still had two more shots at it. You just, it, it, it just, you know, you ever, I'll bring it personal to you. You ever see change that you're not ready for? Or you've ever... How do I say this? You've ever had a car? At one point, it was your dream car. Riding smooth. Greatest car you've ever had. Best car you've ever had. Then all of a sudden, you start that that yellow check engine light comes on, and then Nick after Nick after Nick, and then now it's just like it's just a car. Patrick Mahomes' frustration towards the refs, towards 
you know, them calling that Kadarius Tony thing. That the frustration wasn't geared towards the refs. The frustration was geared towards realization. And the realization is what I said earlier this season. This Kansas City Chiefs team is not a championship caliber team. You have championship caliber players in Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Chris Jones. But this is not a championship caliber team, in my opinion. And I think Patrick Mahomes is starting to realize that. Because like we just talked about with the Eagles, there are components that a team needs to win a championship, to win a Super Bowl, to win a World Series. In the in the two biggest areas of concern for the Chiefs, and it's been like this the entire year, is their offensive line and the wide receiver play. For people that don't know, the Kansas City Chiefs lead the league in dropped passes. They're at like 33, which is almost double than the next person. If anybody doesn't know, Pro Football Focus ranks the Chiefs offensive line one of the worst, especially their left tackle. Or their tackles. Patrick Mahomes, yes, there was some frustration towards the refs, not just for this game, but for the la- the game against the Eagles, I believe, that it was a clear pass interference that wasn't called. Oh, no, it wasn't the Eagles. It was... Um, I don't remember who it was, but it was a clear pass interference. But the frustration is really for Patrick Mahomes is is really the realization of, yo, we're not as good as we should be. And when you look at the landscape of the AFC and you have like six teams that are seven and six, including now the Buffalo Bills that you just lost to. And you have losses to, you know, the Jets. You have losses to the Broncos when they were struggling. Well, you pretty much kicked off their win streak. You have losses to the Eagles because Valdez Cantley can't catch the ball. Like, it has to be, that has to be such a humbling and frustrating realization that while I'm still good, my team is not good enough. Like, think about it, man. The Chiefs, we've never talked about the Chiefs in this way, but the Chiefs now are, is that team where the offense has not been able to carry the, de- if the defense doesn't carry them, the kind, kind of the same way we talked, we talked about the Browns for a minute. If the defense doesn't carry them, because their defense is still elite, they still have one of the best defenses in football. Well, if their defense isn't able to come to play or doesn't carry them, an offense that is led by Patrick Mahomes can't sustain and can't get them over the top. 
And Patrick Mahomes knows that. That's where you saw that frustration at. Because he looked wild arguing with the refs, talking about why would you call that? Patrick Mahomes isn't dumb. Patrick Mahomes knows that was off offsides. I think what his frustration is, is how are you a wide receiver looking at the ball and still lining up offsides in a clutch moment? And that that that's another thing that Patrick Mahomes was voicing his frustration about. There has been so many moments where the wide receivers blow the game, whether that's Valdez Scanling, whether that's Kadarius Tone. Again, they have 33 drops as a wide receiver core. Hmm. It's tough. That's a tough thing, a tough pill to swallow that you're not as good as you hope that you would be. And it's not because of you, it's because of the people around you. And Patrick Mahomes was being a great shouts out to Ryan Clark. He said it. he was being a great teammate because again, that that frustration wasn't geared towards the refs, even though his words were geared towards the ref refs the frustration was geared towards the fact of we can't keep playing we can't keep shooting ourselves and when you have drop balls when you have offsides when you have terrible false start penalties and tough situations that's going to kill you but shout out to the bills for beating the Kansas City Chiefs 20 to 17 it was a tough week for Sean McDermott and the Bills, but they prevailed, so shouts out to them. The question has been, why are people calling the Ravens one of, if not the best team in football? When if you look statistically, especially offensively, their offensive numbers don't blow you away. Yes, they're 10-3. and They're number one in the AFC, but their numbers don't blow you away. So why are people calling the Ravens one of the best teams in football, if not the best team in football? And this is why I feel that this is the year. I'm not saying that they're going to win it all, but this is the year where the Ravens can find themselves in the in the Super Bowl. The Ravens have been historic in having a incredible. You know what the Ravens are? <laughs> the Ravens have been Mike Tyson. The Ravens have been Mike Tyson. They have an incredible, you know what, no, you know what, let's, let's, the Ravens have been Dante Wilder, Deontay, I'm sorry, Deontay Wilder. They have an incredible first punch. They have an incredible knockout punch. But like Deontay Wilder for majority of his career, what happens when you're unable to land that that one hitter quarter? What a what happens when you're unable when you have to lean on your skill instead of your power and your strength? Well, for Deontay, it hasn't worked out too well for him. 
The Ravens have been a smash mouth team since their inception. They try to kill you on the defensive side of the ball, and they try to run the ball down your throat. That has been, I mean, you have Ray Rice. You've, you, there's been so many examples of this. Even their Super Bowl team, both of them, they had an incredible running game and a historic defense. But one reason why we've never really had faith in the Ravens is they have not had their second win. They, they When their first punch, when their defense doesn't come to play, when their running game isn't that good for that week, they have not been able to win those games because they didn't have a, a count. They didn't have a second punch. They didn't have a second second skill. Well, this Ravens team can meet, beat you in a myriad of ways. And we've seen it. The defense can be suffocating with Rokon Smith and Jadavion Clowney, who's having one of his best careers as a pro. Well, the run game can kill you because you still have Lamar Jackson. You still have Gus Edwards. You have Mitchell. I forgot his first name. Keon, I think. Kenya. Actually, I can look it up right here. Uh, Give me a second. I'm not going to disrespect his name. Keaton, Keaton Mitchell, I apologize. But what's even better is now, if the run game isn't, isn't working, Lamar Jackson has improved enough that he can beat you with the pass, and you have the wide receivers. You have Odell Beckham Jr. You have Isaiah Likely, because a lot of people thought that it was going to be death, or it was going to be a death sentence that Mark Andrews was out for the rest of the season. Well, Isaiah Likely has played great. Zay Flowers has played great. Nelson Aguilar has played good. Rashad Bateman has played good. These gone are the days where you can beat the Ravens, or gone are the days where the Ravens can only beat you one way. And I think that is why. This Ravens team is so feared. And not to mention, when you look at the AFC, what other team in the AFC has it all together right now? Oh, I mean, you could have said the Dolphins, but we'll talk about them and how they just lost. The Chiefs, we just talked about the Chiefs. Again, there's about six teams, I believe, that's seven and six. The Steelers? I think the Steelers are in the in the wild card right now, but we don't know what's going to happen with Kenny Pickett and this offense in general. This is the year, in my opinion. Now, I don't know if the Ravens are as good as the 49ers right now. I don't know if the Ravens are as good as the Cowboys right now. I don't know if the Ravens are as good as the Eagles right now, but I do know that this is the first Ravens team in recent memory, actually probably since the Flacco years that or the Flacco year <laughs> that they can beat you more than one way. When their first punch doesn't land, they have a counter. And then they have a counter after that. And that's not something we're used to. Lamar Jackson 
threw for 316 yards. And you're going against a, a, a Rams team that was on was on a, a, a good hot streak. Matthew Stafford was playing well. And honestly, this was a great game. If it wasn't, it went into overtime. The Ravens beat the Rams 37-31. This was a great game. And if it wasn't for the fourth uh, punt return in NFL history in overtime to win the game, it could have probably been a different outcome. But this game, and, and why I loved what was the best – what was the best part about this game is every there were certain times when every single unit had to step up, and they did. Whether that was the offensive line, whether that was the defensive line, whether that was the secondary, even though Marlon Humphreys got killed a couple times. But there was a, a couple times when the, the secondary played to perfection. Lamar Jackson had to dice him up the second. Like, it, it, it was tough. Isaiah likely had, had to be big. Like, Odell Beckham Jr. had 97 yards. Isaiah likely had 80. And you know what it is? Also, the Ravens don't care how they beat you. The Ravens kind of remind me, and I guess it's shout out to the brothers, but the Ravens kind of remind me of the Michigan Wolverines as far as they don't care how they beat you. And they don't care about style points. What they care about is we beat you. Same thing as Michigan. Michigan doesn't care if it's pretty or not. They just care that they win. So, shouts out to the Ravens for beating the Rams, man. Yo, it's crazy, bro. How, man. So, the 49ers beat the Seahawks 28-16. to and it's so crazy how the Seahawks started this season compared to where they are now. Where they are, the Seahawks were just a couple weeks ago, they were in contention to winning the NFC East. NFC East. And as you look today, they're not they're they're under 500. And the 49ers look as good as the 49ers look great, man. Brock Purdy threw for 368 yards. Christian McCaffrey rushed for 145 yards. Debo Samuel had 149 yards. Brandon Ayuk had 126 yards. George Kittle had 76 yards and a touchdown. Yo, it. What the, what the 49ers are starting to do is they're starting to completely bludgeon their opponents. Like, it doesn't matter who is in front of them. They are destroying them. Now, yes, Drew Locke did play. Geno Smith didn't play due to injury, but it doesn't matter. The 49ers, look, they have hit their stride at the perfect time. The last thing you want to do is hit your stride early in the season like the like the Seahawks and it fizzle out like the Seahawks right now. And there's no the 49ers don't have a weakness. Their weakness 
honestly, is is Brock Purdy. And that's the same person who is in MVP talks. Brock Purdy is, I mean, think of their offensive line. You have Trent Williams. Wide receivers. Again, you had two wide receivers that went over 125 yards. You have Christian McCaffrey, who is the best running back in the league right now. You have George Kittle, who is one of the best tight ends, probably the second or third best tight end in the league right now. The defense, you have Chase Young, you have Nick Bosa, you have Fred Warner, you have Dre Greenlaw, like, you have Ward. Oh, man. It's, it gets a headache. I can understand. It's probably a headache trying to figure out how to uh, figure out how to stop this team. Because, boy, oh, boy, let me tell you. Mm. I think I think I'm gonna call it right now, and I'll probably close to this end of the season. But right now, I think that is going to be the 49ers and the Ravens seeing each other in the playoff and the Super Bowl, and that is going to be a hell of a game. And for the Seahawks, man, I'm looking at you, DK, bro. How many times do you have to? get ejected for starting a fight with the other team, bro. And you only do that. You always do that when you're up. I mean, when you're down. Like, what are you doing, bro? It's bad, bro. It's bad. You look bad. Stop doing that. Just take the loss and keep it moving. You ain't got to keep trying to fight people, bro. You do this all the time. That's why people question your uh, your um, maturity, man. And that was a question coming out of Ole Miss was his maturity. And we're starting to see why. But shouts out to the 49ers for beating the Seahawks 28-16. Uh, I am completely off the Lions Super Bowl contenders bandwagon. Completely off it. I'm not off it because they lost to the Bears 28-13. to 13. I'm off it because, kind of like the Seahawks, it seems like the Lions peaked in the beginning of the year. And now they're, I'm not saying they're falling from grace because they're 9-4, and four, but they're starting to unravel. And... Do they still have all the components that a a championship caliber team has? Yes. But you can't keep – their defense has been horrible these last few weeks. Like, like horrible. To the point where it overshadows everything that this team is doing. And on top of that – Against the Bears, a Bears team, by the way, that has is not good. They have five now wins on the season. Jared Goff threw 161 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. And a lot of those 50-50 balls that the Detroit Lions usually came down with the beginning of the season, they are not coming down with this year or right now. It looks bad, man. It looks bad, especially defensively. Defensively, they do not look good in the slightest. Oh, man. 
And I think what's even worse about that is uh, not much has changed. Like, they didn't suffer a major injury. I think that they're still viable to to be good in the in the game, but I just don't. I just don't. I, I can't really make them a Super Bowl contender right now, especially defensively how they've been playing. And for the Bears, man, this these are the flashes I was talking about when we talk about Justin Fields. These are the flashes. Justin Fields. Had one throwing touchdown and one uh, rushing touchdown. When you unleash Justin Fields, he can win you games. And that's why I question. I'm sure they're probably, I'm not sure, but I think that they're probably still going to take Caleb Williams in the draft. But I don't know what you do if you're, if honestly, if you were me, if I was the Bears, I would trade the number one overall pick and get a haul. Like get two first, two second, two third, because K- people view Caleb Williams as that, that generational player, and and if you have someone like Justin Fields, you just need to surround him right the right with the right pieces. You need to surround him with a good offensive line. You need to surround him with, you see what you see what him and DJ Moore look like. Yeah, man, uh, this these are the flashes I'm talking about. As to why I don't, I would be conflicted as to just giving up on Justin Fields. Now, again, I do think they're, if anything, I'll say this. If you're going to draft Caleb Williams, I think that you should trade Justin Fields. Because what is he there for? Especially someone as young and as talented as he can be and he is. Yeah, nah, you can't, nah. But I don't know. Shouts out to the Bears for beating the Lions, man. Ooh, it's unfortunate, man. So the Broncos continue to keep rolling, and they beat the Chargers twenty-four to seven. the The biggest, the biggest um takeaway from this game is Justin Herbert is out for the rest of the year. Broke his broke his finger again. I don't know if it's the same finger, but broke his. I think it was on his throwing arm this time. Broke his finger. And he had to have surgery, and they shut him down for the year. What a what an unfortunate way to end the season. <laughs> Not only losing your quarterback, but losing your quarterback to a season that was supposed to be promising for the forty or for the Chargers. And more than likely, you're gonna your head coach is gonna be gone this off season. It's tough. Austin Eckler probably is going to be gone this offseason. And you're you're not anywhere closer to a championship. Even, it You know, it needs to be studied. I might do that on this podcast, man. I might do that towards like, at the end of the season. Really study what went wrong with some teams. And one of the biggest teams and one of the poster child's teams for this has to be the Chargers. Like, look, did you... Look at all the hype and excitement that was around the Chargers this year or going into the season compared to what it is now. Or compared to the fact of not only will you not make the playoffs, now you're out your quarterback and you're probably out your head coach as soon as the 
as soon as the bell rings for the last game of the season. It's crazy, man. And shout out to the Broncos, too, man. I think they're on a five or six game. Or no, I think they were on a five game win streak before they lost to the tech, te- Texans uh, last game. They they continue to roll, man. They're seven and six for a team that looked as bad as they were in the beginning of the season. Shouts out to them for beating the Chargers, man. And shouts out for them for now being in the playoff hunt. Hey, I also want to say shout out to Joe Flacco, man. Uh, the dude was sitting on his couch just a couple weeks ago, and now he is beating. He and the Browns are beating the Jaguars, thirty-one to twenty-seven. He threw for three hundred eleven yards, three touchdowns, one interception. He looked great, man. He was the main reason why they won this game. Uh, I know. Trevor Lawrence was hurt with an ankle injury, but he he played. So if he was out there, you're good enough to be out there. You're good enough to play. Um, shouts out, shouts out to the Browns, man. Shouts out to Joe Flacco. That's a good story. I don't. I mean, especially someone that wasn't ready to. Uh, he wasn't ready to to hang it up. He got another shot. That's what most quarterbacks that aren't ready to hang it up do. Or one is another shot. He got one and he he excelled. I'm not saying that he's going to be the quarterback of the future, but they at least have a viable option for the rest of the season. So shouts out to Joe Flacco, man. And this was a dev. This loss wasn't as devastating as it could have been, seeing as though we're going to talk about the Texans in a second. But this was a tough loss for the Jaguars, especially when you look up and the next game they have is the Ravens. Uh, on Thursday or Sunday night football, I believe uh, it's uh, it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough. But shouts out to the Cleveland Browns, man. And uh, shouts out to Will Levis and the Tennessee Titans for beating the Dolphins twenty eight to twenty seven, man. Um, I think on mo- so this was a doubleheader for Monday night football. This was a prime example why I am not there yet in crowning Tua an MVP candidate because you lose Tyreek Hill early in the game. And now I know he does come back for a couple plays in the fourth, I believe, but he just couldn't go. His ankle was hurting. You saw what Tua looked like with Tyreek Hill and without Tyreek Hill and the Tennessee Titans did everything possible to give two of this game and and to give the Dolphins this game whether that was yo I don't think I've seen I can't remember the last time I've seen so many false starts before uh, for one team they had the Tennessee Titans have to have the worst special teams in football. They had another special teams gaffe. They had Will Levis through a pick six um, to a big man to a to a defensive lineman. They uh, he had a, he fumbled the ball late in the game trying to pitch it to Derek or Derek Henry. The biggest reason why it's hard for me to crown Tua as the MV, as an MVP candidate is because 
the Tennessee Titans gave you this game. They gave you this game, and you still found a way to squander it away. And, and, and again, you saw how drastically different this team looked with and without Tyreek Hill. Now, again, I know Tyreek Hill came back, but still. Shouts out to Will Levis, man. Uh, threw for 327 yards. He did his thing. But, yeah, man, it's hard for me to crown the Dolphins as a championship caliber team when you can't win these these gimme games, honestly. So, yeah. Uh, the the power of Tommy DeVito strikes again, man. The 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 Giants beat the Packers twenty four to twenty two. This 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 loss honestly was on the the Green Bay Packers defense. Jordan Levis did everything he or Jordan Levis. Jordan Love did everything he was supposed to do. He threw for two hundred eighteen yards. Yeah, he had a couple overthrows, but that's that's just what he's what that's who he is this year. You you force a fumble from Saquon Barkley late in the game, score on that, and the defense could not keep or couldn't get a stop when they needed a stop. So, shout out to the Giants. Let me first say, I don't think that there should be a quarterback controversy between Tommy DeVito and uh, what's the dude's name? Daniel Jones when he comes back. One of them is making an absorbent amount more than the other. So, bada-bing, bada-boom. But shouts out to the Giants and shouts out to Tommy DeVito for beating the Packers 24-22. to Hey, man. I, I'm going to talk about Joshua Dobbs a little later. Uh, but one, the statement is a boat is going to always find this level. Meaning you're always going to there's sometimes that you're riding a high. There's sometimes you're riding a low, but ultimately you're going to you're going to level out. And when you level out, that's the type of person that you are. That is that's the team that you have. The Cincinnati Bengals beat the Colts 34 to 14. I don't think I think that the Cincinnati Bengals. I don't think Jake Browning is this good. Let me say that. I'm giving all the credit in the world to Jake Browning. He has been great, but I don't think he's this good. Yes, I understand that you beat the Jaguars. Yes, I understand. Or, yeah, you beat the Jaguars. You beat the Colts now. I don't know if he's this good. What I will say is it is it is a luxury. And I'm not saying that this made Joe Burrow either, but it is a luxury when you have Joe Mixon surrounding you and Chase Brown and T. Higgins and Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd. That's a luxury. (laughs) Not everyone that's trying to find their level has that amount of talent around them. And you're going against a Colts team that has been horrific on the defensive side of the ball this entire year. So I'm... Shouts out to the Cincinnati Bengals, man. They're winning the games they're supposed to win. Again, they're one of the, I think, six teams at seven and six. Uh, shouts out to y'all, man. And shout, and for the Colts, Gardner Minshew is also showing us why he is not a franchise quarterback, bro. Like, he he's good, don't get me wrong, but he's not the type of quarterback to get you over the top. And he, to me, is a glorified backup. I understand that he is starting because Anthony Richardson is hurt, but 
But still, man, it's it's tough. But shout out to the Bengals. Yo, the the NFC South is I'm sure that this isn't the first year that every team has been bad in division, but yo, the NFC South is trash, bro. Like every single team in the NFC South is below five hundred. Um the the Saints beat the Panthers twenty eight to six. The Panthers lost to a team that has been struggling offensively all year. Their quarterback has dealt with every injury in the book this year. And they're dealing with a they lost to a team that didn't even eclipse if I'm not mistaken, didn't even eclipse four hundred yards. Like People talk about Bryce Young, and people talk about, you know, they, they compare Bryce Young to C.J. Stroud, and they, they, they wonder how one is not like the other, right? Well, my question is this. Name a good unit for the, for the uh, Cincinnati Bengals, I mean, no, for the Carolina Panthers, there is not a good they they have a good player or two. There's not a good unit. Their defensive line's trash. Their offensive line's trash. Their secondary's trash. Their wide receiver core's trash. Their running backs are inconsistent. There's not a and their coaching staff obviously ain't good. There's not a good unit. So how do you expect someone to grow from that? That's the issue that I've had with the Bears and and um Justin Fields for the longest. It's like you you expect someone to grow. You expect someone to thir- flourish when nothing around them is is good. I don't understand how people expect Bryce Young to improve when this is what he's surrounded by. It's crazy. But shouts out to the Saints for beating the Panthers. Oh, shout and uh, Again, the NFC. I'm not even gonna. The NFC South is trash, bro. The uh, shouts out to the Buccaneers for beating the Falcons 29 to 25. This is yet another game where Desmond Ritter threw a costly interception to end the game. Yet another game where Bijan Robinson is struggling to get touches. He only had ten, ten touches. I'm not going to subject myself to talk about the NFC South so much, so shouts out to them. <laughs> um, this was a bad loss, man. Uh, the the te- Texans lost to the Jets 30-6. to Now, the Texans have been chasing the Jaguars to for the AFC South title, and this would have been a huge step forward because seeing as though the Jets lo- or the Jaguars lost. But you lost to a team. The Texans lost to a team in the Jets that have fumbled their quarterback position this entire year. Uh, Zach wasn't anyone to play. And he threw 300 yards, had one of the, the best games he's had. This was a bad loss. And on top of that, C.J. Stroud went out with a concussion. And if this goes how every other concussion is gone. I don't think he's going to be playing next game against the Titans, I think. So this this was just a bad loss, man, a, a terrible loss, uh, especially when we talk about their 
their pursuit not only to make the playoffs but to win their division. This is that's it's costly. But shouts out to the Jets for being the Texans. And uh one the the saying, like I said, is a uh a boat is always gonna find its level. You know, when Joshua Dobbs stepped on the scene for the Minnesota Vikings and he set the world ablaze, people was like, yo, why is this guy bounced around five, six, seven, eight teams? Like, why is he not a starter? And that's why a lot of people are like, hold on, you'll see. Uh the Minnesota Vikings beat the Raiders three to zero, which was one of the lowest scoring overtime games in NFL history. Joshua Dodds was so bad. He played, I think, until halfway through the third or towards the end of the third quarter and only had 63 points. Um, we talked about Jake Browning. Well, you have TJ Hawkinson, you have Jordan Addison. Justin Jefferson, yo, Joshua Jobs threw a dead a kill ball or a dead man ball. That's the ball where you, like you threw it and your your receiver is gonna get drilled. He threw it in the middle of the field high, so Justin Jefferson had to jump. He got drilled out for the game. Had to go to the hospital. His chest, it boy, Joshua Dobbs is not good. And for the people's like, yo, there's a quarterback controversy between him and Kirk Cousins. No, it is not. <laughs> they, the Vikings are praying for their lucky stars or praying to their lucky stars that Kirk Cousins comes back the start of next season because, boy, unless they get they make a trade. Um, yeah, Joshua Dobbs not that not good, bro. He got benched for Nick Mullins, bro. And on top of that, on the Raiders side, Aiden McConnell ain't good neither. The Raiders suck. Or the Raiders aren't good. Like, they don't have – they have good players. Like, you have Josh Jacobs. You have Devontae Adams, Jacoby Myers. You have Max Crosby. But this team's not good. And I'm not going to put it on uh, Antonio Pierce because he didn't even know he was going to be a coach to start the season. But, yeah, bro. And, unfortunately, I don't know if he's going to keep his job because the Raiders are going to look at us like, well, what did you do? Like, what am I supposed to do with this roster? It, ugh, it's bad. But shouts out to the Minnesota Vikings for beating the Raiders. Let's move over to basketball. I understand the Lakers fans' frustration. I truly, truly do. I understand where the frustration comes from. I understand. So the Lakers won the inaugural in-season tournament. And in the championship the end season championship anthony davis had like 40 and one 40 and 20 anthony davis was leaps and bounds the best player on the floor and lebron james continues to just take father time behind the woodshed and keep beating on him like i don't understand how lebron james is still this good this late in his career but shouts out to him but i understand where the frustration is If this is the Lakers team that we're going to be getting for the rest of this season, not only is this Lakers team a championship caliber team, they should be the championship favorites. The issue is we know this is not the Lakers team that you're going to be getting the entire year. Anthony Davis 
in the in-season tour and championship. That is why, that, that performance is why we are so frustrated with Anthony Davis at times. He was the best player. I'll say this. If, that, if Anthony Davis plays like he did in the, championship, the in, in-season championship, like he does, if he plays like that the entire season, not only is he a top 10 player, he is the best player in the world. That Anthony Davis is the best player in the world. Yes, better than Nikola Jokic, better than Giannis Antetokounmpo, better than Joel Embiid, better than Kevin Durant, better than LeBron James, better than Luka Doncic, better than Steph Curry, better than Jason Tatum. That Anthony Davis is the best player in the world. And that is where the frustration comes from. Because we don't see that Anthony Davis all the time. His consistent is being inconsistent. Because that, and and that's, and, and also know this. The Lakers are not winning a championship if they don't get that Anthony Davis. I, it doesn't matter what LeBron James is doing. If they don't get that Anthony Davis, they're not winning a championship. And I think that's the frustration because Lakers fans have seen they haven't got that consistently, especially in big moments. I'm not going to harp on them, but. That is the Anthony Davis that they need to win a championship, for sure. And shouts out to the Lakers for winning the inaugural in-season tournament. So Now I'm going to get to the unpopular topic of the day. The topic since the in-season tournament has been about Zion Williamson's weight. And the fact that, you know, as an overweight person myself, I can see overweight. And he, for damn sure, is overweight. My question to Zion Williamson is, what do you want your career to go like? Every, every player has a ceiling. We've LeBron James has reached his ceiling. However, LeBron James' ceiling is arguably greatest player of all time. Steph Curry has reached the ceiling. However, his ceiling is four-time champion, maybe five-time champion if he wins another one, but greatest shooter of all time. Arguably greatest point guard of all time. Obviously, people's ceilings are different, but every player has a ceiling. Right now, Zion Williamson's ceiling is here. I think that Zion Williamson will never play if he does not get his weight together. He will never play better than what he's playing right now. Now, I will acknowledge that right now he is a good player. He just scored 36 against the team. I forgot who it was, but this Zion Williamson is good. I'm not going to take that away from him. This Zion Williamson is good. But it goes back to what do you want your ceiling? This Zion Williamson is a top 50, 25 player in the league right now. So if that's what you want, if that's what you want to continue to be, because I don't think with Zion Williamson being with Zion Williamson's weight being where it is, I don't think that he will get much better than this. Now, if he gets his weight under control, 
Zion Williamson, in my opinion, has the ability. He has skill sets that we've never seen in a in a player. People talk about how Victor Wimbenyama is a once in a generational player, or LeBron James, arguably the greatest of all time. Michael Jordan. Well, Zion Williamson has has attributes that we've never seen from LeBron. We've never seen from Jordan, Steph Curry, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Kobe. None of them. Now, I'm not saying that Zion Williamson would be the greatest player of all time, but what I'm saying is. If he gets his weight under control, which he has not been able to do since Duke, Zion Williamson has a chance to be in that conversation as one of the greatest players ever because he has skill sets that we have never seen. And then once he loses weight, if he loses weight, because that's a personal decision, he will unlock more and they would be even better. Stephen A. Smith has gone hard at him or uh, on his weight pause. Uh, so has Shaq. So has Charles Barkley. And I think that they are doing that because they see the potential that Zion Williamson brings and how good he can be. He just hasn't been that good. I mean, he he hasn't been consistent in that way. So my question to Zion is, what do you want your ceiling to be? Because right now... I think you're at your ceiling. Now, it's good. You're still a great player. But if you want your ceiling to be one of the greatest players, you have to get your weight under control. Have to. I look at it like this. A player that we talk about a lot is, you know, Michael Jordan. Well, you know a player that should have been as good as Michael Jordan, had all the skills, all the attributes as good as Michael Jordan, that we never talk about this in the same breath as Michael Jordan? Vince Carter. And I'm not saying Vince Carter's weight was a problem, but Vince Carter got comfortable at where he was. Vince Carter was supremely talented, but he got comfortable at where he was. And with Vince Carter being comfortable... What happened? He plateaued. He hit his ceiling. His ceiling was high. His ceiling was high as hell, but he hit his ceiling. And he never improved. He never did things to increase his ceiling to the point where now you start getting older in your career and the injuries start coming. Zion Williamson has a shot to it to elevate his ceiling to exponential heights. He just has to get his weight under control. That has to be something that he wants to do. If he doesn't, then he might be Vince Carter. Your ceiling is here, a very high ceiling. But we at, we should have been talking about Vince in a much better light. than and I'm not saying negative light, but in a much higher regard than we usually do. Why is that? And there you have it. That's been today's episode of the Unpopular Podcast. I truly appreciate you guys. If you want an Unpopular Podcast shirt, hoodie, sweater, long sleeve joggers, the link is in the description below. I have multiple different colors, multiple different designs. Get your Unpopular Podcast merch today. Also, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Please subscribe to wherever you're listening. I'm trying to improve 
I'm trying to get better. I'm trying to get as many subscribers on YouTube as possible. I'm trying to get as many subscribers everywhere as possible. So that means if you're listening on Spotify, uh, please subscribe. If you're listening on Apple Music, please subscribe. If you're listening on, on Pandora or whatever, if you're watching the content on YouTube, please subscribe. It definitely means a lot to me. Uh, also, please follow the socials, follow Instagram, follow TikTok. I post pretty much daily. And that is those are the places where you can connect with me the fastest. Just keep it respectful. And I don't mind going back and forth. I don't mind debating. But if you keep it respectful, we can have a conversation. And I appreciate you guys. Until next time, much love. Mm-hmm.